and welcome back to Perform Talks. I'm your host, Bethany Unwin. And before we get on with today's show, I just want to let you guys know that our free monthly online performing arts magazine is now available to download. All you need to do is head to pmag.co.uk or you can follow the link in our show notes to download your free copy of Performing Arts Mag. Don't forget, if you love these episodes, please head to iTunes to leave us a review. All reviews help us get noticed by more performers and help get more free information and industry insight out there to help as many people as we can. A huge thank you for your support and without further ado, let's get on with the show. Today I am delighted to be joined by Ashley who is the director of the Business of Play. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on the show. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. So I would love for you to tell all the listeners at home a bit about who you are and what you get up to. Well, uh, my name is Ashley and I run a an arts business education platform called The Business of Play. Um, I do that alongside other work which I do, which is mainly event producing and I have a clothing label called Sparkle Bar. So it's a busy, busy time. She's a busy bee, people. Um, and just for our listeners, because I was trying to wrap my head around time zones, whereabouts are you based? I Well, I've been living in London for the last 11 years-ish. And this year I moved back to Auckland, where I'm from, where I am right now. So it's almost the opposite end Yes. Lovely 12-hour time difference. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, scheduling this wasn't easy, but we've done it, guys. We're there. (laughs) We're there. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about what the business of play involves and what you do within your platform. Mm -hmm. Cool. So I basically, in my events work, I specialise in immersive entertainment within events which is a really niche job and this London is the only place in the world that would kind of afford such a niche role um so I I I specialize in bringing entertainers into events essentially and during COVID or when when kind of events stopped a lot of my community were like performers and in the entertainment industry and I just saw so many of them kind of stop working and really struggle and I from running my clothing label and working as a freelancer and hustling in London had kind of I I have a quite a strong idea of um business I'm really passionate about business and I love learning about it and I realized I had all these skills that were transferable that I could teach performers how to kind of create something out of what they're already doing that didn't rely on the events, the festivals, the theatres, the performing work as such, but was something that they could tap into as an additional source of income 
because I also, then the more I kind of thought about it, I was like, actually, so many of these performers are working in kind of low, I guess you'd call them like low skilled jobs or like, you know, working like behind the pub or like nannying or, or doing these kind of jobs that um, are nothing to do with their art and their expertise. And I just was like, why? <laughs> when, the, when you could be doing something that was paying your bills as well as doing your shows and your theatre and your fun stuff. So I created the business of play as a sort of business education platform that was aimed at performers and creatives, really, to teach them those business skills in a, in a way that spoke to them because there's so much stuffy business stuff on like YouTube and it's just it can be a really really boring gray subject and I just wanted to make it a bit more colorful and fun (laughs) that's amazing um with obviously performers I feel like a lot of us don't get taught in training that actually when you graduate Mm -hmm. you become a business and Mm. I think that's a massive thing that's missed out upon to anyone who's not looking at themselves as a business, what what would your advice be to those performers who maybe don't realise that they they are running a business because they're a performer? Mm. I remember when I started working in events and was freelance and was self-employed and found it quite hard to stand out in the market as a as an event producer because there's hundreds of event producers in London. And do you know what? It wasn't until I really was like, I love work. Like I've been to circus school in the past life, <laughs> like it, as in when I was 20, but I didn't do any circus anymore. But I... Oh no, I've lost my train of thought. I what was the question? Um, so I was just asking, like the performers who don't see themselves as a business, what yes. would your advice so, be to them? I was like, I really wanted to work with performers. Like, I really wanted that to be my jam, my my special source. And so it was only really when I started selling myself, like I made my website be like, I specialize in entertainment with an event. Like I created that niche for myself. And that was when people started remembering me. And then I like made this logo that's like two A's and they're a fried egg. And I would apply for jobs and people would be like, reply, I love your logo. I love your fried egg. So I would say you are a business. Anyone that works but not for someone else is a business. If you're making your own money, whether you're a performer or a freelancer, you are a business. And if you can learn these like really simple skills that big brands do, you can really make yourself stand out in a crowded marketplace and stand out for being yourself as well. What you just mentioned there, I think hit the nail on the head and I've never heard anyone describe it as that way. But if you're not working for a business you are a business I love that and that is so so true um and I think it is something that we need to remember and is not often brought up as this performer yeah 
I work with a lot of artists and, and they come out of, well, they are uh, my friend Jess that I, she came through my course and she said she went to dance school and she's like, I could do the highest kick in dance school. I could do all these amazing dance tricks. And then you come out of dance school and you're like, okay, I'm auditioning. And what, like, what is, how do I make this money out of this? If I'm not in a show that's paying me like a, like enough to, as a full-time job, especially if you're living in a big city like London and you need good money to be yes. paying your rent there. Like, how are you going to sustain that? And so much of the time you go and do those, like, I call them fill-in jobs, mm-hmm. just the, like in-between jobs that you just do. Yeah, and I think another thing is obviously, like, some contracts, yes, you might get a contract and then that's six months, but then you could spend the next year and a half just doing one-day contracts here and there or mm-hmm. nothing at all. And it's trying mm-hmm. to make it run as a business in the rest of the time, not just when you've got the one contract (laughs) exactly exactly and it doesn't need to be something separate like you know for example my like little fried eggs flash and fried eggs logo that like aa like i use that for everything and that just is like me and it's the same like if you had like a brand a personal brand and that could be for like casting agents to remember you by because I don't know, you have like a, a logo on your CV or like you have some like a particular like aesthetic to your portfolio or your website or your headshots or something. And then you can use that same brand aesthetic in your like other business side hustle thing that you've got going on. Like it doesn't need to be like, okay, go out and start a clothing label. <laughs> it doesn't need to be like, something completely different That's and they'll flow together and they'll complement each other you know <laughs> yeah that's super um so what would you think is one of the biggest misconceptions within the business side of performing arts one of the biggest misconceptions of the business side of performing arts I think a lot of performers misconception. I hate this starving artists thing. And I think so many performers from a young age, no matter what, like I remember when I was like 15, 16 and I was like to my parents, I'm going to be an actress. I'm going to go to circus school. And they were like, <laughs> like yeah, okay. See ya. <laughs> Like, you're never going to be anything. And I think it's just, it's so drummed into you from such an early age that if you choose the arts, you're going to be poor and you're going to suffer and you're going, it's like a passion project. Like you're, you're, it's not going to be, you're going to do it for the love and because you love it, but there's no growth or scale or money in that. And I think that that's the biggest misconception because I think if you run your business cleverly and thoughtfully and strategically, you can really make good money, good income, a business, a career out of this expertise that you've worked so hard for so many years to develop. 
Yeah, for sure. I think there's such a gap as well. People either think you're going to be ridiculously famous and beyond the millions and you must be all right mm. because you're an actor or they're the complete opposite end of the spectrum. They're like, oh, you must be poor because you're an actor. And there's like no in between of like, well, I hustle for myself and I make the money I do because I make sure that I get that work done even when I'm not working. Yes. Yes, it's so really much. Tough. <laughs> I 100% agree. This it's is my whole, um, like, yeah. words, my whole mission. Yeah, it's a really, really funny subject. And I think it's, um, it is very odd the way it's portrayed as, like, fame and fortune or nothing at all. And there's, like, no in-between. And there are, everyone's mostly in that in-between. There's very few, very, very, very successful people you know, um, that that do hit the million marks. Um, and those that are, you know, hustling, you know, it, it shows. Mm. And um, mm. it's unfortunate because obviously not all the time is there going to be stuff that's appropriate and casting-wise is going to work for you. But that's when you have your other hustles, like you say, that come into play that keep, mm. you know, the the sustainability of your business coming in as in terms of keeping the rent being paid, keeping the food on the table, all those kind of responsibilities. Yes, 100%. It's like you can make a million, you can be in like a TV show, you can make really good money doing that or you can be on like 20 to 30 grand a year but like how do you make like 80 grand a year (laughs) well how do you get to like 100 grand a year as as an actor and I guess that's my your (laughs) favorite um so when it comes to obviously you said about your logo how it's the fried eggs and people remembered Mm -hmm. that what Mm -hmm. would your tips be for personal branding in terms of what people can do to make sure that they are remembered and are working as a business in this industry? Mm. I think definitely picking, it's difficult because, hmm, let me have to think about that one. I think having some, um, what's the word? succinct I don't know some branding simple branding that you can carry through everything that you touch so whether that's a color scheme a kind of if you want to be whimsical if you want to be serious I know it's it's hard if you're a performer because you want to try plug into lots of different faces but characters So I probably wouldn't suggest going too moody with it, but even picking like a color or like a few colors and keeping them, you know, through all of your touch points. Um, A logo, a logo is important, but a logo is not the be all and end all. I would say try to tap into your, your values. That is what I would say. Think about what your personal values are and then create a brand around that because then the brand is going to be reflective of you. So like when I built my website for my um, 
events were up. Like I wanted to, I was like, my values are like fun, playfulness, like um, boldness. And I was getting stuck in all these events that were really like stuffy business, boring stuff. And I was like, I don't want to be doing that stuff. So I made my website like have like a rainbow background, even though like I could do any event, like people still come to me for like the stuffy business stuff, but they're like, oh, this is Ashley. Like I get a real idea of what she stands for and who you are, which is completely unique to me and you are unique to you. And, you know, everybody's completely unique. So have a think about what your values are. There's loads of like exercises you can find online to, um, get inspired. I would say put together a list of like your eight values and then build, build on it from there. But don't get too stuck on the logo. <laughs> I would say start with the values and then do all the like designy color, logo, font, whatever from the values. Because otherwise you're just picking something out of thin air and there's no connection to why. And then you might get sick of it. But if it's something that you're like, it's connected, it will remain because consistency is the most important thing of all to show up consistently as that you uh, as you the brand of yourself <laughs> yeah absolutely I think, <laughs> it's a bit rambly sorry it's quite a long no answer. that's great I mean consistency I think is key like no matter what you're doing in this industry consistency is just yeah. like a huge part of everything you do and the discipline we have to have as freelancers to we've got no one telling us what time to get up and what to do in your day you know you have to have the discipline to do that and not just one day you've mm -hmm. got to do it every single day to mm -hmm. you know be hustling and to to see it pay off so I think consistency is key and I know for me, when I looked at my values of what I wanted for my company and me as a performer, um, I then spent hours playing. And the only reason that I finally got to where I was happy with was because I'd spent hours working out what was right and kind of not dwelling on it too much, but enjoying having some time where I stuck at one thing and was like, actually, no, it's not right. Let's change it again. And it's only now that I'm like, I think it's probably about eight months realistically where I've like changed it and got to a point where I'm like, yes, this truly represents me. So it doesn't have to come like straight away either, does it? Mm, definitely not. And actually just on that, I'm just thinking of some of my other friends that are performers that don't necessarily have like a logo and a colors and like a design aesthetic, but they show up on social media as the same like if they're comedians, they are doing, constantly doing like funny stuff and they're doing patterns of the same type of content. So I'm like, immediately I'm like, oh, that person, like they are funny. <laughs> or like I've got friends that do like drag king or like, you know how some people do these like characters and they like do almost little like Snapchat things of different characters that they show up as. Um, I've got a few friends that do that and it's just then I, that's, but that is their brand. Mm. It's like how they, how they, what roles they want to get, what they want to be known for. And that comes back to their values. That's true. Actually, when I go through on social media, I can always tell without even looking at whose name it is, 
I can tell whose poster it is because yeah. they're like represented within like either the graphic or the photo. They look like they're, they're staying true to themselves. So I think that's really yeah. important. I think that's a really great tip is maybe go down your social media and see if there's anything that to you looks like the odd one out and then try and work out why. Mm. Mm-hmm. Super. Yeah. Um, so obviously there's a lot of things that we aren't taught as performers in this business mm-hmm. um world. We aren't taught a lot of this at college um or at vocational schools or even at university. Um I don't know if it's the same in New Zealand, but when we're over here, um we don't get any of that in like the training. Um, it's just not really brought up and I think it's such a massive void that needs to be covered Um, but in terms of like business I know there was a lot I underestimated when I graduated I thought I was like your friend said I thought I was going to go to all these auditions and just do what I've been trained to do and there's so much more to it than that Um, so what would you say are some of the biggest things that performers underestimate or don't keep on top of or don't think about when they go into this world of being a freelancer? I think the biggest thing I see is the lack of planning ahead, far ahead, like five years ahead, you know, one year ahead. Like, so it's, the industry is so fickle and, seasonal and it's really easy to forget about the quiet seasons especially if you're a performer working in like live events because there's this whole chapter from like January to May that's basically dead maybe even June you know and what are you going to do in that time but that so some people like save up all their money that they make in summer and at Christmas and then just like support themselves through. But it's really hard to, to grow your income. Like you're in charge of scaling your own income. It's not like a normal career when you're working in a role and you get a promotion each year and you get a bonus and then you kind of work your way up the career ladder. Like you're in control of your own career ladder so much of the time and how are you going to do it? Like you just don't think about it. (laughs) And as soon as you can be like, okay, like I know I'm like, this is why in my course I teach you how to create a service out of your expertise because then a, a point I really make with that is once you've got that service or that offering you can sell, you can then learn how to scale that. So then suddenly you're still going to these auditions, you're still putting on your shows, but you've got this kind of scaling income in the background, which is a piece of the puzzle that I think so many creatives forget. Also, just like when you're in charge of your own, like if you're a freelancer and being in charge of your own rates and being and like deciding... I'm going to put my rates up this year. I'm going to put my rates up this year. I'm going to put my rates. Like so many people just stay at the same day rate for so long or they get stuck in jobs that pay this much and then 
they're afraid to turn them down because they don't want to not get anything Mm -hmm. because they're not sure where the next job's going to come in. You know, it's like if you can plan ahead and figure out where your money's going to come from, it, it will, you, your life will become so much more expansive and you will have so much more time for creating personal projects. You can get your funding for this other job, like theater shows, whatever it is, films you want to make, go to the auditions and not come at it from a place of desperation. Like I need this job because I need to pay my rent because that's such a yuck place to come at something that's so energetic. You know, it's so like you want to, you want to love it. You don't want to be stressed about money when you're, when you're doing performing work. I don't think. Yeah. You can tell, you can smell it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's obvious as well. Like it's, it's got to be from a place of wanting it you know um you know it's fair to say I think that obviously yes there is like money available and that's not spoken about enough like there are ways that you can get money coming in and be a performer but then at the same time it's like yes you will have responsibilities and you will have things to pay out for um but it does come off if you're just in it for the money so you need to make sure that you've still got that passion and if it's too stressful to have both. You need to work out what you can do on the side so that you can get back to enjoying and doing what you love again. And that'll really show when you're in these auditions. 100%. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, So the final thing I want to ask you is what I ask every single person who comes on the show because every single person's got a different answer. Um, But (laughs) what advice would you give to aspiring performers? I would say your talents are transferable into lots of offerings. (laughs) I don't know if that's quite roundabout, but I think that there's a lot of people that want what you've got and you've got a lot of skills that the corporate world, for example, want to learn like confidence or like how to speak well and how to perform and like comedians improvisation like all of these skills that all these artists have can be so transferred into a service (laughs) that you could sell into corporates and try to come up with something that you can sell that's not you performing on a stage. Is there something that you can teach? Is there something that you can create that, you know, you could set up a Patreon for? Could you write an ebook? Can you create something from your expertise that you can sell so that you don't have to work down at the pub for the rest of time? <laughs> no, that sounds really mean. Like you won't be there for the rest of time, but I just, it just breaks my heart when I see artists working those fill-in jobs when I know that what they have is so valuable to this big group of people. So 
create something that you can sell with what you know. Absolutely. That's fantastic advice. And <laughs> I love that your skills are transferable and that isn't spoken about mm. enough. So thank you for bringing mm. that up. Thank you so much, Ashley, for taking the time out of your day to come on the show. Before you leave us, I would love for you to just plug your business um, so people can follow you. I will put it in the show notes as well, but if you just want to tell them where they can find you. Sure. I've only got an Instagram at the moment. It's at the.businessofplay. Give us a follow. I give away loads of free information. I've got some free downloads there, marketing tips, stuff like that. I'm going to be taking my six-week course at the end of January. So if you're thinking about it, come and give me a follow and we'll see where the wind takes us. But yeah, thank you so much for having me today. It was so nice to have a chat. You are so welcome. Thank you so much, Ashley. And thank you for everyone listening at home. I've been Bethany Unwin and this has been Performer Talks.